When I found out why Luke counted to seven repeatedly, I cried. And he's counting: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's a very traumatic scene when the dad drives back to the motel, and Nell is sitting outside, and she sees the police car come up, and you can see that child's face. She knows that something is wrong, and that also that just tore my heart because I've been there. I've been in that space, you know. I've been that. God, I want to cry again, but I've been that six-year-old who looked at someone's face and knew. Just knew that something was wrong. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Refreshingly Human. This is a podcast about human emotions, connections, and just. Removing the labels that come with being the black sheep of your family. <laughs> Raise your hands if you can relate to that. So today I want to talk about my favorite psychological drama in the essence of Halloween, y'all. It was Halloween this weekend, right? What did everyone get up to? We had like this kick-ass party, and I dressed up as a porcelain doll that kind of looks like a zombie bride. I'll I'll send pics on Instagram. <laughs> you want to see that? So today we are diving into my favorite psychological horror in the horror genre. I would say I would say it's more of a psychological thriller than a horror, and that is the hauntings of Hill House. Who loves that? I mean, seriously, hauntings of Hill House killed me. That music, y'all, amazing, right? <laughs> When I found out why Luke counted to seven repeatedly, I cried, and I'm gonna get to why in a minute. But I want to start with talking about Luke because Luke is by far my most relatable character in the hauntings of Hill House. And no, I am not a drug addict, and I cannot relate to him on that level. So I'm not going to speak to that in this episode. Okay, disclaimer. What I do want to talk about is his haunting and his struggle. So when you look at Luke from the outside, right? You see how what looked like from the outside reflected in how he felt about himself. So, for example, from the outside of Luke, we see a drug addict. We see someone who fucked up everyone, who screwed screwed his family over, who made the same mistake repeatedly. And we also see that Luke reflects all of that back onto himself when he talks about himself in the Luke episode, right? So he keeps using words like,、um, he keeps saying things like, "This is,、uh, you know, I I screwed them over.、Uh, they gave me so many chances.、Um, I can't get past this part, the stage four step, because he never felt like a winner. He never used positive words on himself." And no one was addressing the childhood issues that Luke was still traumatized by. So when Luke was a little child, and oh my God, how cute was little Luke, right, with his little bottle glasses? It was the cutest child ever. 
And I think that one really got to me as well. What I love about The Hauntings of Hill House is that they really show the childhood transformation into that adulthood. And we all know that it stems in childhood, right? That's where all the shit happens. So I love that The Hauntings of Hill House actually shows this. And when we look at Luke as a child, we see... Or this is what I saw, and I, 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 I would love to know what you saw. But basically, I saw that Luke was overlooked a lot as a child. He was the youngest. Whenever he spoke, no one seemed to be listening to him. And you'd always see this very sad look on his face because he knows that no one's listening to him. You'll hear Luke as a child saying repeatedly, no one believed me. No one believes me. And his twin says, I believe you. But we're going to get back to that in a little while. So his whole life, no one was listening to him. And he was haunted his whole life by a freaking ghost, which, you know, in, in the hauntings of Hill House, spooky. But think about it in reality. Aren't we all haunted by a freaking ghost? And this is how I relate to Luke on so many levels. I felt my whole life like no one was listening to me. You know, um... I would say things repeatedly, I would act out. So similar to Luke acting out in the most radical of ways, I would act out uh, with my anger, which I spoke about in many episodes before. That's how I acted out. You know, it was anger. It was, um, you know, it was just not not being my best self. And everyone always looks at the the results, the actions, but they don't dig deeper to what is this child actually saying? What are they, what are they telling us? And that feeling of going unheard and unseen, it stems right up into our adulthood, right? And this is like just where it just all kind of ties in together. Because now I want to talk about Luke's family, right? We see that they love him, no doubt. Luke's family loves him. We see that his sister Shirley, second oldest sister, in some ways I think that I should be relating to Shirley more because she's the second oldest and she's a girl and that's my position in the family. Um, but I actually don't relate to Shirley at all. Um, at all. <laughs> but yeah, Shirley goes out of her way to be there for her little brother and she spends money that she doesn't even have to put him into a rehab facility which good for them they put Luke in rehab he needed to be there although I will say again I'm not someone who's an expert in drug abuse so anyone out there wants to step in and give their opinion about this but I will say that putting him in rehab without getting to actually having like some sort of family counseling to really dig deep into Luke, the person, the human being, because we just shove them in rehab and we don't get to speak to them and see why, why is this happening? Why, what can we actually do to support you? Yes, we'll put you in rehab, you need to go, but how can we support you? We are listening. And that is what never happened in the hauntings of Hill House. And that is what doesn't happen for so many of us when we are fight facing our own monsters. So his family really did try. And I, I feel like Luke was forced to think that he was a problem that no one could fix, right? Because no one truly heard him. And even though his twin, on a surface level, she seemed to be there for him. They had this twin connection thing going on. 
Um, but it was, I feel like it was very surface level with her because she herself, like when they were little kids, right? Um, Nell was very much there for Luke on a surface level, but when they were kids, right? Um, both of them believed each other. They spoke to each other about the ghosts that haunted them. And the older brother, he wrote an entire book about ghosts he never saw based on his, um, based on his siblings' stories, right? And he profited off this, and he never actually believed that any of this was true. And how did this affect all the other siblings, especially Luke, who it was actually never shown how Luke was affected by this. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a little bit of my theory behind this. It's like, as kids, we tend to be a lot more open about our monsters and our ghosts. We tend to be a lot more outspoken. So, for example, in our childhood, if we're unhappy, we say we're unhappy. We cry. We cry openly. Um, if we are hungry, we we eat, right? But <laughs> even something as, as simple as hunger becomes more complicated as you get older. Because then hunger becomes with, oh, am I really hungry? Am I depressed? Am I stressed? Is this anxiety? Because Am I eating because of anxiety? And it becomes a whole deal, y'all. But as children, we can so easily be like, I'm hungry. I'm going to fucking eat, <laughs> right? Um, and this is the same thing that I see with Luke and Nell is as kids, they were so open in talking about, I see a fucking ghost, believe me. But as they grew up, the ghosts became more complicated and they even stopped talking about it with each other. So Nell's ghost became sleep paralysis and the, the, bent, ne the bent neck lady turned into sleep paralysis. And Luke turned into a drug addiction and just never told anyone that he still saw a fucking ghost. Spooky shit. But again, I want to turn this back to my life, right? <laughs> so I actually feel like when when we were when I was a kid to an extent I used to be very open about emotional stuff right um and I used to be very openly emotional um so all of my big emotions were like on the surface I would wear my heart on my sleeve and when my dad died things changed pretty drastically for me um I feel like as a kid my dad was the closest person the closest adult figure in my life who actually saw me and heard me and recognized me. And after he died, I I struggled to communicate what I was feeling. Now, relating this back to Luke and Nell, both of them lost their mom tragically at the age of six, which was the exact age that I lost my dad tragically as well. Um, and it, you know, a lot of, I, I spoke about this and I speak about this in many episodes, right? But a lot of people think that a six-year-old doesn't understand, doesn't know what's happening. And I would say, do not oversimplify this. Do not negate the fact that the six-year-old has an idea of what's happening. So there's a very traumatic scene when the dad drives back to the motel and Nell is sitting outside and she sees the police car come up and you can see that child's face she knows that something is wrong. And that also, that just tore my heart because I've been there. I've been in that space, you know. I've been that... God, I want to cry again, but I've been that six-year-old who looked at someone's face and knew, just knew that something was wrong. Something changed in that moment. 
And the trouble is that after that moment, for me, relating back to Nell and Nelly and、um, Luke, everything changes, and our hauntings and our ghosts become a lot harder to talk about. And part of that is because the adults in our life are not talking about it either, and that is what happened to me. And that is a very, very important takeaway that I want I want to leave you with. I want you to just take that in right now. Everything changed for the six-year-old who knew that something was wrong, and they couldn't speak about it because the adults in their life weren't speaking about it either. It all gets pushed down, and the more it gets pushed down. The more the emotions get confusing and complicated, and you don't know what is right and what is wrong to feel. And if you on the podcast, this is an inverted commas. You don't know what is right. You don't know what is wrong. Everything is a mess. So yeah, that that is how I can relate so much to Luke and Nell to some extent.、Um, Nell's episode was my second favorite episode, and I think that definitely. A lot of this has to do with the fact that both of them lost a parent tragically at the same age that I did, and whenever I see that on t- on TV, like legit, I cry because it takes me there. But this is not the reason I cried in Luke episode, and <laughs> I told you at the beginning of this episode that I cried when I found out why Luke was counting to seven, and I still get very emotional when I watch this episode. When I think about it, I still get quite emotional because it is just so. Oh, it just gets me right here, <laughs> right in the heart. If you again, you know, I'm doing a video and I'm doing a podcast, so <laughs> gotta narrate what I'm doing to the podcast audience. Now, this is why I cried when Luke, when I found out why Luke was counting to seven. Now, let's let's go back to everything that I said throughout this episode. Right, Luke was never seen or heard by his family, not truly. They loved him. They tried their best to help him, but they never understood him. They made him feel like something was wrong with him, like he needed to be fixed, right? And when we get to that scene, this is the scene that haunted me. That just oh, it just shook me, right? We get to that scene where Luke is he's pacing up and down. Waiting for his brother to come and pick him up, waiting to be saved from by his family, and he's counting: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And in the scene, the ghost is coming behind him slowly. And then we see the flashback to his childhood, and we see. Him t- comforting Nell, who had just seen the bent, bent neck lady, and he gets out his toys. No, sorry. In this scene, he gets out his stones. He gets out his stones, and he lays them in front of Nell, and he's like, "This will help you, but you have to have seven." And he starts touching each stone: one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, and Al says, "Why does it have to be seven?" And then he starts listing every member of his family. 
And for those of you who are familiar with coping mechanisms with anxiety and trauma, this is a grounding technique that Luke uses. And what really touched me, though, is that his grounding his grounding technique was based on his entire family, every single member. He called out a number for each one of them to feel grounded and to feel safe again, despite the fact that none of them understood or got him. That is powerful. And I feel like when you are at, at that stage, that, that stage of anxiety, that stage of grief that Luke was clearly in, in the hauntings of Hill House. Sorry, I'm getting emotional again because this is just, oh, this is just so deep for me. But when we are at that stage of Luke, that Luke was in, where, you know, you're at the height of your anxiety, you're, nothing makes sense. You cannot make good decisions. Um, You cannot follow up. You cannot think, like I describe it, when I had that height of anxiety, I couldn't function like a normal human being. Something as simple as parking my car, like not even like not even getting in my car and driving yet, before I would even get in my car, I would be thinking, what if I don't find parking? What if, what if I don't find, what if I get lost? Uh, what if, what if, what if? And I, my anxiety would start before I even stepped in the bloody car. And this is the height of anxiety we're talking about, where you just cannot function normally on any level and when you are in that state you need people to make you feel safe and why I cried here is because when I needed people to make me feel safe that was when I felt the most alone in my life because no one was hearing me and I felt that for Luke I felt that so hard for him and that's why I cried. Thankfully, I am, you know, you guys know me. You, you've been following me. You've been following my story. You know I'm in a better place in my life. And I'm surrounded by amazing people. And I have built my castle and built myself up. And I'm going to be talking about um, my experience with antidepressants and how they saved me. Um, they were a saving grace for me. I, I'm totally not into shaming people for taking the meds because they really, truly helped me. And I'm going to talk about that in an upcoming episode. But yeah, leaving the hauntings of Hill House, I just wanted to come back for Luke. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to see him get better. If you watch the whole season, you know, it doesn't quite end that way yet. And I'm going to leave you with that. That is my very unorthodox Halloween episode. I hope you liked it. I want you to drop in on the Instagram page, Refreshingly, the Refreshingly Human podcast. And let me know who was your favorite and most relatable character in The Hauntings of Hill House. Let me know who it is. Let me know why. And I could feature you in the next episode and on my Instagram page as well. So don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe. Your reviews and subscribes really help us get up in the rankings and we want to see Refreshingly Human become an amazingly go-to, uh, the go-to podcast for all the rebels, change makers and outcasts in the world because guys, I got you. I really do. I, I'm here for you and I'm here to show you that you are not alone and this is a shared experience and this is your space. So thanks for tuning in and I'll see you all on the next episode.
Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, don't forget to share it with a friend you think would enjoy the content as well. You can also leave me a review on iTunes or podchaser.com. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Refreshingly Human Podcast, Facebook as Refreshingly Human, and LinkedIn as Hannah Pillow. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.